the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookwood. And I'm Chris Heine. And we're super excited to be back on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We have been here, but we've been very silent over the last several months. In fact, you may have noticed, maybe you haven't noticed, but it has been since June, right? Yeah, the last podcast was our artist talk with Justin Oaksford, which oh was gosh. June 13th. You'll have to forgive us because we've had a whirlwind of a summer doing plenty of crazy things, and we've just come back. And by we, I mean not these two guys, but me and Tegan White have just come back from another adventure. However, before we get to that, we're going to tell you a little bit about all the stuff that's been happening. Uh, if you've been keeping track of what we're doing here at the gallery, you've noticed a bunch of travel programs that have sort of popped up over the last couple of months. have been pretty exciting. Yes. So uh, in the last summer, we have taken artists uh, with a likely art camp to Yellowstone National Park and Grand Teton National Park. We also did a super road trip adventure and RV across the country. That was hilarious. Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Chris drove again a giant bus across the country. This um, takes the cake for giantest bus. It was the biggest bus that's ever happened. Was it 50 feet long? No. <laughs> I think it was like 28 or 30 feet long. It that's was big massive. enough. It <laughs> extended and it had... <laughs> 50 feet long. <laughs> it's like a semi uh, I have no perception of space. Okay. So Chris drove a giant bus and we found lots and lots of trading posts and rock shops and explored the country. And we slept in parking lots we next did. to semis. Yep. We did. We did. It was as big as a semi. It was. Much. It was. It was definitely an adventure. And maybe one of these days we'll recap the whole thing for you. But we've also taken a bunch of people to where? Yes. Yeah, so we actually did our first Light Gray Art Camp International. And Chris and I took a group of artists to Ireland, which is amazing. We traveled through the southern coast and took people to all sorts of really fun islands, castles, ruins, super fun stuff. And then we also took artists to the Light Gray Iceland Residency Program, where we explored the southern and northern parts of Iceland. So this year marked our what numbers of, of oh, gosh. residency I think program? Our fifth, sixth, and seventh groups. Oh, I believe that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. We had a bunch of teams of people that were just incredible. Uh, if you haven't heard about the residency program, you can look back in our previous podcast, and we have some fun, crazy adventures of what happens on some of those some are super weird and I have some stories about that that I'm sure we'll record one day but uh it was really nice during that program we do a lot of uh get-togethers where people teach what they do to the rest of the group so it's fairly academic people are it's like listening to a bunch of amazing TED talks people are just super inspiring and really into what they're making and how they're creating and then we returned and had a bunch of crazy shows and fun things and other stuff that happened as well So today we have something special for you. Tegan White and I just came back from an adventure in England. So this week's podcast takes us through the southern coast and somewhere in the middle of England where we camped, saw some spiritual interesting things, maybe met a ghost, and some other crazy stuff. So we shall hear about that shortly. What are the things that people should know before we get into that that's happening at the gallery in the next couple days? So this week, this Friday, October 28th from 7 to 10 p.m., we have the opening reception of the Midnight Exhibition. So the Midnight Exhibition has 80 artists who've created all sorts of really fun prints and originals that have some of the symbolism, some of the imagery that pops up in their dreams and subconscious. So we can look and interpret their dreams through an interactive component both online and also in the gallery itself. 
So the way we're going to do that is this. If you show up on opening reception night and you step in here, we're going to give you a tiny slip of paper and ask you to walk around and find your favorite piece and tell us what that artist was really going through in their dreams. So you'll get to read all the stories about the the dreams themselves and hear from the artists about what exactly happened. But then what you do is you look for the symbolism, you look for the metaphors, and you look for the hidden content and tell them what it's supposed to mean. So you can also do this online if you haven't had a chance to look yet. Well, you haven't because it's not up there yet. But on Friday, you'll be able to see all the pieces online and there will also be a form that you can fill out and we'll end up publishing that online alongside the piece. And so if you've got some really great insight, you're really good at symbolism, or if you just want to take a stab at it, that is just fine. All the artists are super interested in hearing what you have to say. And again, check it out online or in person on Friday the 28th. And you'll be able to see a bunch of great artwork and also psychoanalyze for a second. So in addition to that, since we have Halloween weekend coming up, we put together some really amazing weekend programs. I'm actually going to be teaching four witchy workshops as part of our Young Mystics program. So if you followed along in the last couple months, you've noticed we've done some tarot classes, we've done some meetups, things like that. Now we have a pendulum class, a palmistry class, a potions class, and a jewelry class with talismans and pendants coming up this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so you can find all the details about those at shop.likerayartlab.com. Um, so all the classes are individual signups. There's all sorts of really fun options. You can sign up for different kits and combinations. There are also tarot readings. So if you'd like to get a massive tarot reading so Lindsay can tell you her super future, you should sign up there. Super future. Super future. So again, they're make and take classes. There's tons of crystals we'll be using. We have essential oils. We have all sorts of stuff. And again, the palmistry one I'm really excited for because we'll teach you how so that you can show up at your friend's house and read their entirety of their palm, tell them exactly what they need to know, and also get... Um, some free stuff uh, here during those things. So again, online you can sign up. Um, there's also some drop-in spots, but if you're really interested, uh, head to shop.likegreyartlab.com and you can see all the details of what exactly those are going to be like. So if you do want to join us for any of the workshops, you can stop by on Saturday, October 29th or October 30th. All the dates and times are up there on the shop, shop.likegreyartlab.com again, in case you missed it. All right, and thanks to everyone who applied for the Fortune exhibition. That's going to be coming on December 2nd. Uh, That exhibition is all about fortune, luck, prosperity, and good vibes for the year to come. So it's a calendar and gold foil exhibition. Uh, Thanks again, everyone. The information, all the artists that will be attending and participating in the show will be launched very shortly. So, Chris, what is happening in the game realm? Well, I'm glad you asked because there is a game night coming up right after that on November 2nd, which is, again, on Wednesday. Oh, they probably don't even know this, but game nights have moved to Wednesday. Uh, is that a now. permanent thing or a temporary it's, thing? It's uh, permanent until I begin teaching on Wednesdays again, so probably through the year. So on Wednesday, the November 2nd, we're having a game night. The theme is Grand Day Out. Mm. We'll be having uh, adventures going on balloon rides through the clouds and making amusement parks for robots. We should all be doing that, really. We will be doing that on November 2nd. (laughs) 
Following that, it's November 16th. Two weeks later, we will be having the Danger and Glory game night where we will be having heroic, dangerous adventures for treasure and fame. It Uh, sounds like both. That's like sounds like our travel program. Yep. That's how we should promote it, really. Yeah. Balloon rides and then dangerous adventures (laughs) for travel and fame. That's how it works. Sorry, Chris. What day is that one? November 16th. And then the last one we have on the schedule is December 7th, again on Wednesday. 6.30 to 9.30, and that one is like clockwork, where we'll be playing games with programming, like Mechs and Minions and Dragon and Flagon. Is that a real game? It is a real game. It's about a bar fight where you're programming your movements ahead of time. So you might swing a chair at somebody, but they've already moved away, and you just swing in nothing. Or you stand up on a table, and someone pushes it out from underneath you, and you fall and are sad. Are you a dragon? No, you're fighting over the mystical dragon flagon. Oh, the and dragon you, flagon. Yep, so there's a cup in the middle of the bar, and if you get it, you unlock your special ability. So you're base, it's kind of like King of the Hill. Oh, okay. Because you're okay. all fighting over this dragon flagon. Actually, that's the name <laughs> of the bar, but whatever. I don't know. Okay, doesn't matter. I'm not fully invested in the lore of this game, but that's the general idea. <laughs> that sounds like fun. That sounds like lots of fun. So, speaking of the lore of things... This last week... Are we week, talking about Star Trek? No, but I could forever. Data's friend. Oh. What, who was that guy? Which guy? Lore. Lore. How was he... Re- oh, he was like the other robot made by Data's creator? I should probably know. However, no, not that kind of lore. I am talking about the lore of the magical kingdom of England. So... <laughs> kingdom of England? I guess it is a kingdom. Okay. Yeah, it is a kingdom. So... What's pretty cool is Tegan White and I went on a super adventure over to England where we decided who needs a house when you have a tent. And so (laughs) we'll be talking in just a moment about all of our weird adventures. So we went on the road with our recording device. What do you even call that? A weird little box. Portable microphone. Portable microphone. Task cam report recording device. Yes. And we took it around with us and told, (laughs) told it all of our adventures and through which you can be a part of our weird journey. So this is you part said, one of two. Hello, friendly robot. Let me tell you my adventures. It's basically that. So <laughs> um, we'll have the next installment in just a little bit. But until then, we hope you enjoy our adventure. Today's October 8th. I think it's a Saturday. Right? It's a Saturday. I don't know what the date is. I think it's the 8th because I had to sign it in a guest book today. Okay. We're sitting here by a campfire. Um, It's me and Tegan. Hello. And we're actually in a luxury campsite. It's funny because everybody else might be asleep, but we can't tell. And we're the only people out here. It's not that late. It's It's not that late. And the funny thing is, I think we've had more than enough chances today to run into people. But mostly we run into ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one bat. Some birds. Some birds. There's at least two bats. And a people, a group of people hugging. Yeah. You're not impressed by them. <laughs> no. Um, a lot of ladies who own really tacky witch shops. Yes, which is both amazing and um, interesting. We like it and hate it. <laughs> yes, all of those things. But we're, we're actually sitting here on the outskirts of Glastonbury, um, just maybe eight, eight miles or so? No. Yes, eight meters. Again. Eight meters. Feet. What feet? <laughs> <laughs> From Glastonbury Tor, which is a beautiful um, 
giant building, and you read the plaque, so what is that? Do you remember? Yeah, um, and I don't fact check me on this because it might be a little bit off, but um, so a tor is um, a big hill formation. It's a natural formation um, that forms from layers of different types of rock. There's like sandstone and some other rocks, um, but it basically forms these kind of step-like big plateau shapes, and it's all like flat at the top. So I mean, uh, we're in this really low English countryside, so it's like this sudden, like steppy thing covered in grass. So you can't see the stone. It's like kind of like a pyramid. Grass. Yeah. So it's almost like this random pyramid with a flat top that's like in the middle of all of this low countryside. So I guess um, for pretty much the beginning of time, probably people have speculated about like why this is like this, and they've attributed all kinds of meaning and mystical uh, things to it. Um, and in more recent history, uh, people speculated that it had something to do with St. Patrick, um, and, uh, and it, um, in, I think it was the 15th century, the plaque said, um, that's when they think that the structure was built on it. And it's not a very big structure, it's basically just, um, it's very tall, but it's just like, kind of like a tower that you can stand inside. It's just, um, open at the top, and there's a couple windows in it, and it's just made of stone. It looks exactly like a tower. Yeah, it, it it's looks just like a simple tower. There's no like steps, no, you know, there's not like a door on it. It's just like an archway that you can walk through on both sides. And you stand up there and you can see like all of the countryside and you can see the town of Glastonbury below you and it's really pretty. Um, and then just farmland all around. It's amazing. It's, it's really funny because we drove here in the dark last night and in the several hours that we were driving here, we rode alongside some incredibly thin roads <laughs> almost smashing into every single person as they're, we went. They're one lane roads that they make two lanes. <laughs> yes and then on one side is either a brick wall or a shrub <laughs> and, and then the other side is a person driving really fast trying to destroy you. Who does not care that it's a very thin road. <laughs> no and I was surprised not to see more glass on the road but it was really interesting we drove all the way here um, from Heathrow Airport um, all the way from London and we're like okay we're gonna get here and we're gonna make it and we're gonna see the countryside and then we only saw a little bit before it got dark but we woke up this morning and it's incredible here everything is hazy it has almost like a like a it's not a mist it is like a haze yeah it's more like a it's like it's a light fog like a light fog yeah. is a good way to put it and you can see just the atmosphere between here and I don't know, miles and miles, you know, tiny little, like, hedgerows everywhere that separate people's lands. There are sheep here. Definite sheep. There are birds. Yeah, We're a lot of crows flying over all the time, and seagulls, uh, a lot of bird song. There are some weird animal noises in the night that we have, <laughs> cannot identify at all. Not, yes, <laughs> we were like, okay, a metal clicking sound, and then some other things. I think we figured oh, out. Oh, that one that sounded like it was a dying animal, but it was like a bird call because it repeated exactly the same dying animal sound, unless multiple animals died. At the same time, in the same way, and you're like, "Oh, that's unfortunate," but it was it was interesting because we we got here and a nice old man let us in, and it's just idyllic. Like the whole place is beautiful. We're sitting here in the middle of what's called the orchard, in our um, what do they call this RV park, tent farm? Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of RVs. We're one of the few people with uh, just a tent. Yes, and our tent, I think, is fantastic. I think it's, it's working great. well. We like it. Yeah, and we woke up this morning um, and tried out porridge for the first time. It was, I don't know if it's 
porridge. It's what Weetabix. <laughs> um, what was it called? It was the name of the product. Oh no! It was called uh... breaking something. Uh, quick break. I don't know something <laughs> like break. that. I don't know. I think it was quick break. <laughs> it was that, quick. But it's something like that. And we've also been trying our camping stove for the first time too. Um, you have to tell them how we made our porridge okay by stealing blackberries from the campsite four feet away four feet away from us right now we didn't notice until this morning as we were inspecting the property we said oh some berry oh my gosh look at that is edible breakfast right on the yeah, back wall entire like kind of wall of wild blackberries everywhere um, and so we just grabbed a bunch that and we're pretty sure that they're blackberries and not poison <laughs> and we put a bunch in our porridge that was very gross and we mixed it over the heat and then it made it better it did it made it way better it was really good and we were like we we're geniuses uh-huh. and then a couple people watched us do it and i'm not sure what yeah, they that thought lady was definitely like, no. <laughs> she was like why are you eating eating the yard <laughs> there's also apple trees everywhere and i haven't eaten an apple yet but i'm going to yeah i mean there's one right here oh, yeah. you know i mean i feel like this is just part of what you pay for in this thing yeah but we are in an orchard so we started off on the right foot and then we um got a really nice map today and went to two pretty cool places um one of which we spent a very long time and we went mm-hmm. to the city of wells which is tiny mm-hmm. um it the buildings are ancient they look like uh i don't know a lot of stucco like a lot of tiny doorways everything is painted and um we rode in and the first thing we saw of course was like a natural food shop which Mm -hmm. for whatever reason was charming and then the rest of it of course unfolded and we finally got to the things we were trying to look for but um it was neat to see so much history in one place it's funny being from a place where you don't have a ton of history you have some history and then it's just really neat to see stuff that's i don't know that things old. that are so old that you can barely wrap your head around how you old they are can't and, even understand yeah. yeah it's just unreal we walked through um the wells garden um it was the uh, bishop's uh, oh palace that's right was it called a palace or was it called a I don't know, the bishop's house or the bishop's place of living residence? But it was a, it's a giant place with all these gardens, and um, there's a small chapel on it, but it's, it's also his, his home, and so we like got to walk through the home. And Was that all the original furniture and everything that was in it? I mean, it looks it looked really old. They had a ton and of paintings old paintings. on the wall of all the, the previous bishops. And um, then there was also a tiny... Yeah, the tiny chapel was really cute. It had um, crests from all the family names of all the bishops that have ever been there, or all the clergy or whoever else. Yeah, I'm not sure who's those were, but yeah. I don't know, some people's. And um, But it was really cute, and a couple tiny tapestries. And it's funny, because all the stuff you think of, and of course I'm sure people that live here all the time get to see it, and they probably are like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. And then we walk in, we're like, wow! Wow! Yeah, like we've every just second, never seen anything that old, and it like to us that's just like fairy tale stuff, not like real stuff that existed. Like the the whole bishop's place was surrounded by an actual moat, a real moat. What was once I think a drawbridge, <laughs> and um, one of those iron gates that like comes down with like spikes at the bottom. <laughs> it was really scary. It was really cool, and it had like 
they're not battlements. What are they? The, the things at the top that you walk along? Oh, yeah. They're, they're not yeah. battlements, but that thing. Yeah, the things. The things that you could walk along at the top. <laughs> What's that called? I don't know what those are called. But they. But it was really cool. And it was. Um, they had these great arches that were outside. Mm-hmm. We talked for a second about how weird it was that they were just there. You know, it's like a decorative thing, but it's also... A decorative thing that would be so hard to build and so time-consuming and is so gorgeous. But, so yeah. gorgeous. But it's just so crazy, and they've done a great job keeping it just intact over the, all of the years. I can't even imagine. And we're looking at stuff from the 1500s and the 1300s and before that mm-hmm. even, and it's just incredible that people can look back at that still and have it be as nice as it yeah. as it has been. But... Um, we walked along for a long time and, of course, spent a great deal of time there. And then we walked over to the Wells Cathedral, which was incredibly impressive. It was massive, and I don't even know what style that was, but that also was no just incredibly detailed and with like tons of different carvings on the front and mm-hmm. saints and, and figures and people like pieces of stories everywhere. I think the coolest thing about it was that it really seemed like it was just this giant structure that acted as like a cemetery in itself. It also had a cemetery on the grounds, like tons and tons of graves on the grounds, but like the place itself, like there were all these like long hallways um, with windows on the sides and on the wall that wasn't the window wall, there would be all of these plaques describing like, like it was like you know, close to here lies the remains of, you know, this person and his wife and this person. And like, it was just com- countless things like that. And I don't know if that was like underneath our feet, um, as you know, we walked, like exactly where the bodies are buried, but like, you know, like the whole place is like their remains. And even the stained glass windows inside, um, there are all these like figures and then, uh, in stained glass and then underneath it would have writing that said, um, like, you know, it was like some important, like, uh, like you know, um, ministry person or whatever, um, and it said, like, how they died or, like, the year that they died or whatever, like, so it was, like, everything was related to, like, the death of these religious figures. There um, was a lot of stuff like that. I mean, it's incredible. All that stuff, like, like, in memoriam, like, these big stone tablets that were carved, Mm -hmm. and it was amazing because you looked at it and you're like, definitely somebody had to carve this with their hands, (laughs) you know, and, like, looking all the letters, and I'm like, oh, and we... We walked into, geez, and I, I wish I knew more about what part of the church this was. Yeah, we don't know anything about architecture. Yeah. Guys, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oops. But it, we walked into this part, past a big door, into the area where there are tons of pews. And at the front, there was an altar and a huge statue and a massive organ. It was like the so biggest thing I've ever big. seen. It was like a two-story tall, three-story tall it organ. It was so big. I I have never seen anything that big, and all the walls were lined with stained glass. And for whatever reason, all of the ones on the right hand side had these like incredible painted figures of all these saints and different people. And um, and then we walked along in the back, and there were people practicing for the choir, um, and an organ player playing. And kids lined up waiting to go in because they're about to have a, to have a prayer service. And so are there, there are all these kids who are in choir, I think. Um, tiny, wait, tiny little they're kids. They're like, I don't know, like seven-ish. Um, and they're like so well-behaved just waiting <laughs> to sing. <laughs> and it was really cute. All those guys, and they funnel, or they like funneled in this piece that was closed off for the service. But 
we got to see right before all that stuff happened, we were standing around and we were looking at this carved clock, this big painted clock that had all of these like moons and different letters and dates and stuff on there. Yeah, there are all these numbers that I think meant dates of some kind on it and yeah, and a big like moon thing towards the middle. Yeah, it was so, like, crazy. It had to be some sort of moon calendar as well, I don't know. It did it did kind of have like this funny sort of celestial calendar like I don't know. It looked thing. like it was from like the Middle Ages, like it was that sort of style. It was very strange. It was very um, strange. It didn't quite fit with any of the other architecture, which seemed more like I don't know. Yeah, Victorian it, kind of. I don't know. Above it, it had a tiny figure of a person on a horse, and everybody was sitting down on the other side of the room watching it. And we were like, okay. We thought they were just waiting to go into the service or something. Yeah, and yeah. we're standing there, and all of a sudden the bells go off, and we turn around, and there are. Up at the top where the little man on the horse was, starts rotating, and one man on a horse moves counterclockwise, and another man on a horse moves clockwise. And we sit there, and we watch one of them decapitate the other one. Oh, I didn't even (laughs) see that he decapitated (laughs) him. He just knocked him over constantly, and we were like, what is happening? But yeah, it was just like this wooden kind of like figurine thing, but giant, and on this like inside wall of this church is this like basically a cuckoo clock like yeah. a giant enormous wooden cuckoo clock and so yeah so i think it went around like three and a half times or something because it was three thirty. yeah um, it, was it was amazing it was amazing and, it, and i was just like oh my gosh the thing's probably a million years old and, and it, it still, still works. works yeah it was super cool we saw a lot of um like other things too as we were walking we walked out into the cemetery after walking through this hall with these great arched hallways just mm-hmm. beautiful on on one side there was a bunch of leaded glass and then the other side were all of the in memoriam plaques that tegan was talking about and then you look up and there's these latticed massive arches that just kind of crisscross all the way down the hill or hill hall mm-hmm. and we were thinking about how much work that would be and how expensive that would be and this is just a you know just a hall you get to walk down but it was really impressive um, there's a moment in that cathedral where I was just like this is just gorgeous the whole thing is just gorgeous I can see why people would be just awestruck coming into a place like that you know it's the sort of thing that photos just don't do it justice under any circumstances you just really have to like be there and like I I don't know like the first like half hour that we were there we didn't even like say anything to each other we just like looked and pointed and we're just like speechless it was crazy it was just beautiful and we walked out in the cemetery and it was funny because I've never seen, I mean, I know you have, but I've never seen uh, headstones that big. They were, like, almost cartoonishly giant. <laughs> I was like, what? And so, you know, it made me think about it, because I know a lot of churches that are really old continue to um, have the remains of years and years and years of people that have tended the church somewhere in there, and like we talked about, maybe underneath, okay. maybe in the basement, maybe there's a... Um, forget what you call it like not a not a catacombs but some kind of like um that would be a catacomb i think if it's under is it I think so. is I think it or like a what's a mortuary i'm not sure what a mortuary is a mausoleum is, the, is like a the ab- above structure. ground version yeah yeah um, well one of those things <laughs> something underground <laughs> yeah and i i would love to find out i would love to find out what is actually under there but the whole thing was just crazy and so we it had also stopped in like a couple other places in town and 
looked at the market that was there. There's oh yeah, there was a big market with food vendors and like artisans selling woven things and crystals and art. Fruit? And, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that and lots of people with their dogs out and everybody yeah. just looked like they were having a good time and, and so we drove to the city of Glastonbury next and we only had a little bit of time and the first thing we did when we got out is we went through a tiny alley. So narrow. What was it called? Oh, um it was like the it was like the The Gauntlet? The Gauntlet. gauntlet. <laughs> it was called the Gauntlet. And we were like, what the gauntlet? And so we went down the gauntlet and every shop smelled like the most incense that I have ever smelled. Yeah, the, those shops in the gauntlet though, they were so tiny that it was like only like us and the person who owned the shop could fit in them. That yeah. was the only people that could stand in them. They were so tiny. They were like half of the size of a bedroom. They were so it was tiny. Really weird. And it was just packed with different kinds of things. Every single thing that you could think of that was like a, like a new age object was yeah, in. Yeah, so tarot cards and a lot of dream catchers and a lot of um, incense and a lot of like uh, chakra dirt. things and yeah. like just and yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some weird, uh, some weird patchwork things, shirts. Um, yeah, I don't know everything. Rugs, everything, um, jewelry, just, just like so many things. So many things. It's funny. I don't think I've ever seen that amount of concentration of like witchy things or like we probably new went to age things. twenty or thirty shops. Yeah, like, and they're all very similar. All, yeah, all different things like that. We went into a really nice bookshop. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked to a lady for like one second who was telling us about a place that maybe we'll visit tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I forget what it was called, but uh, I think it was the 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 wood wood witch. Oh yeah, yeah, the wood witch I or think something like that. Something to do with forced witch thing. I think that so makes I really sense. Go there. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go there. And um, she had a, a really nice bookshop, and we picked up a couple books. And it's I don't know. I get a kick out of things that look like they're small press books too there's a bunch of stuff there that I was like I bet you there's only like 300 copies of this or 200 or 50 copies or yeah there are a bunch of um, books about like um, witchcraft and like other things that were like written by local people who like lived like just a town away so that was really cool too I'm not surprised too I feel like if you have a community that supports different kinds of things and you can find like a place to have your voice heard I think it's it's really pretty cool and so it was weird we were only there for maybe like an hour just walking up and down Mm -hmm. but it would be nice to go back but the real treat um after all of this was we came back and earlier today we heard that you could find a uh or that you could rent a a bat finder it's a bat detector it's a little (laughs) handheld contraption it's basically a walkie-talkie that you just choose a frequency and then there's just kind of like static um, and you just kind of wave it around slowly until you pick up a bat. Um, it, it takes uh, the, the frequency of their, like, I guess their, their sonar. Is it called sonar? I think so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it changes it slightly into a frequency that the human ear can hear. Um, so it kind of just sounds like very rapid clicking, right? Yes. Like, just like um, clicking, but also kind of like bat wings flapping at the same time. Like it sounds like both of those things. Yes. Um, it's, it's a really, it's a super unique sound. It's yeah. definitely something that, you know, you'll be listening to the static for a long time and then you'll hear it and you're like, oh, a bat. And, um, we, yeah, so we rented the bat detector <laughs> and then we started walking to the, the, the tour that we were telling you about before that, um, that platform. 
um, that like hill in the middle of the countryside. And it's really cool. I mean, it, so we got directions, and from our campsite, it's just, I don't like know. 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, 15, 20 minute walk through all of these like pathways and hedges, and there's brambles everywhere, and you're, you kind of have this nice leisurely walk to yourself. And we went right around 6, 6.30. It was right at dusk. Yeah, and we were like, okay, we're going to make it to the tour. We're going to get to the top. We're going to have an experience or something and see what it is <laughs> we're like oh crap we forgot to research this before <laughs> yes we weren't really sure what the tour was and only learned from the from the plaque oh which also said that there were um they excavated it sometime in the uh, 1900s and found um like tombs there or like uh, remains of people and also like they said what they thought were monastic cells inside of the the, the tour inside of the hill that's um, crazy. So yeah, there are all these all kinds of uh, remains of things, um, and then I think the one of the spooky things about it too is that um, a man was hanged there. He yeah, was the last abbot of something or other, and yes. he was apparently hanged at the at the, um, the 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 tower that's on top of the tower. It's super crazy. I, the The reason I heard about this was last May I went to a tarot conference and I sat next to a woman who's actually. The, the organizer of the UK Tarot Conference, which we're going to in a couple days. Mm-hmm. And she told me about it, and she said, hey, I had this amazing experience, this crazy, like, um, just this, this super experience. She said she couldn't describe it. She said she felt something or heard something or saw something. She shows me this blurry picture of her standing in front of the tour at night, and she just was so sincere about it. And she's like, you have to go. If you're ever in the neighborhood, plus there's a bunch of fun shops mm-hmm. in there. And I was <laughs> like, okay, sounds good. And so and we, she said that people travel from all over to come everywhere. Here, right? Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, and I'm not surprised because as we were walking through Glastonbury, the town, I mean, it looked like everybody had come here just for this. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, like, if if people are pilgrimaging up to that thing just to have like a moment, um, it made a lot of sense because as we got up there, we. We're trudging up this hill, and we're out of breath, and we're sweaty, and we're con- trying to get there before the sun is completely down. <laughs> yeah, we're like taking a shortcut directly up the hill, and we get up there, and it is, it's, it's a very striking view. You know, the sun was going down, and we could see the the tourist silhouetted against the sky, and it was blue and pink, and you could see Glastonbury sparkling down in the in the valley, and everywhere around there, you could see the hedgerows and all of the different like little farms and and things all around us and it was funny we're catching our breath and we're like okay we made it and we look inside and it was a bunch of people standing in a huddle right inside the middle of it having a moment of some type and so we waited for a second but I think they were in there for the long haul it was interesting to see them up there and as we stood there more and more and more people kept coming and so some people were playing a drum some people were sitting against a tour. Some people were um, standing and, and kind of chatting. And the sun went completely down, and we were up there by ourselves and took a couple photos and tried to find some bats. Um, but it was definitely a place where you could see people were coming to, even though it was just a random night on you know, a random day. And uh, who knows, you know? Uh, so hopefully we'll get a chance to figure out exactly what else is really unique about the space? We said we'd do some research if we can find some good internet, but 
Was, we also tried to take ghostly photos. We did. <laughs> we took some really good ones. Because it was like, it was getting too dark to take really clear photos. So we were trying to take some long exposures. And there were all these people kind of standing, milling about in front of it. And we realized we were getting these ghostly <gasps> kind of impressions of them. Yeah, like a really like <laughs> static tour and all yeah. these like weird like blob blob people but yeah no it was great and it was getting really cold and so we were like mm-hmm. okay well we're gonna go back we're gonna eat some food we're gonna fire up our weird stove that we have and rehydrate some camping food and then find some bats and mm-hmm. so we took a weird scary walk um, but on our way back it was pitch black and we had a weird lantern and we're like okay going back to the thing okay totally going back and Tegan's like oh, I'm gonna find some bats and so we're walking along with the bat finder, which is like this little handheld thing, and we've got the thing ratcheted all the way up. And we take one turn. We're like, I wonder what's in this field. Yeah, we like we had had it on for a while. We had it on our, on our way over there and everything, and we weren't hearing any bats. And we were getting really confused because it just seemed like a place that there would be bats around that time of night. And so like I looked at this field, and I was like, like there's this big field right here. You'd think that there'd be some bats, and I we turn and I point it, and then all of a sudden, like we're looking at this like empty kind of field, like um like just past a gate, and suddenly like the thing starts going nuts. It wasn't it bat was noises. Shrieking. It was yeah, just the like buzzing and shrieking, and it got so loud, like louder than I thought that this little handheld thing could even get. And we were just like looked at each other and we were like, what is going on? We were still really, really close to the tower. And I don't know, we kind of turned and there was like this weird, it was dark so we couldn't really see, but there was like this weird stone thing that it was, was like up like, against the fence and it looked like a headstone. It looked like a headstone that was like five feet tall with a point yeah. at the top. And we were like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I just turned, like we were, we just like looked at each other with like terror in our eyes and like all my hair was standing on it. And we just turned the thing off and like basically ran and like our hearts were beating like it was so scary like this never again never again turn the thing off and so we like booked it down the path and we're like okay all right okay it's fine okay it's fine it's fine and so we're like down here and we're it's i'm sure it would be incredibly easy for somebody who didn't know their way back to get lost (laughs) in this dark pitch black brambly filled place we're going down the path and we're like okay we're just gonna get back it's fine and so we made it back, but I was joking at the top of the tour that that thing, you know, you watch Ghost Adventures or you watch whatever, and they have an EVP detector, you know, mm-hmm. that's like supposed to detect all the different things. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if we could find a thing? And we're like, oh my God. Yeah, so when we were at the tour, we were trying to use the Bat Finder too, just like setting it to different frequencies in See case there's like a secret ghost frequency. Yeah, you know, I mean, pick that would be up, but the best if there was a secret ghost one. Totally. I mean, maybe but you found it on the way back. Terrifying. I yeah. think I just had it at bat frequency. Okay. So well, maybe all spooky things are on the same frequency. It's That's probably what's yeah. happening. But it was, it was, yeah, that was unreal. And that was really scary. But we did take a big walk down to the pond that's over here. And we did... Um, have some luck. Connected directly with some bats. We did. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. Very yeah, it, like, I don't know, it just felt like, because you, you can't necessarily see them, you know, because it's so dark, but it's just like kind of, you know, scanning this pond and almost giving up, and then suddenly it's like you're just, there's like this clicking, and it just lasts and lasts for like probably like three seconds or a minute or something yeah. of just like listening to just this bat making noises, and you can't see him, but you know that he's there. It it's was kind of just really like the cute. bat has a walkie-talkie, and he's like, oh, hello. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> But it was really cute, and, the, like, the whole thing is kind of funny, and 
we walked back here and now we're now we're just gonna enjoy the rest of the evening out here we've got our fire pit which is great this is the best actually yes it's so nice <laughs> it's um be the so cold later so warm because we're chilly pretty much all day all day yeah, yeah. and it's really nice and yeah. we're gonna wake up early so that we can go back to the tour actually because yes. we want to see it when there's no people there so we're gonna wake up before dawn and then head up there just as the sun is rising yep and maybe have another experience <laughs> <laughs> we'll, <see. laughs> we'll definitely report back and see how that goes. Yeah. But yeah, today was a good day, so that, that was a, a, quite the adventure. Today is October 10th. Probably. I don't remember what day it actually is. It's Monday. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a Monday, but that's probably because we're also sitting outside in about maybe 40 degree weather next to an ashtray <laughs> that has a burning log in it. I think we made some good decisions today with all the stuff that we've done, including hijacking this ashtray for our own pleasure. <laughs> Camping is interesting, and I think anybody who's ever camped before who's an actual pro probably would laugh at some of the things that we're doing but I feel like part of camping is trying to find stuff that's going to make do until you actually can get a real thing later but for example <laughs> the tea that we're drinking right now was made with an actual tea ball it was but last night we had tea and not a tea ball no and so Lindsay had the genius idea of taking one of our weird empty soup bags and poking a bunch of holes in it somehow putting I... the tea in that I thought it would work. I felt like it was like if you had enough holes, you would probably get some tea out of it. But instead, um, nothing happened. And we just dumped the tea in. And then we just had like weird tea soup. And that was fine, I suppose. But over the last couple days, um, we've made our way down from Glastonbury and Wells all the way down to the southern coast of England, where we've been doing a lot of driving against hedges again. And a lot of looking hedges for things. everywhere. There are so many hedges. I don't even understand where they come from. And we have a theory that maybe if this island wasn't manicured by sheep or people, that the whole thing would be a hedge. I feel like that it's just nonstop blackberries and pointy things everywhere along yeah, the side of the road. But it's been really interesting. We stopped today. Um, actually... The first thing we did was we got a surprise. Last night we went all the way down to a place called Coombview Farms. Yes. And we pulled in and we were really silent because we weren't really sure where we were supposed to be camping. And we drove our, our car all the way into a spot between two RVs and set up camp and couldn't see anything. It was pitch black and it was very very silent and we were worried about disturbing everybody except for the one person we could see across the way but um it was super cold our last person warned us that it was going to be a negative a million and so we were like okay all right we got to make a fire we have to make a fire somewhere and so we, scour we scoured the entire place and finally found like a beat up disgusting grill along it was a, yeah it was an old barbecue <laughs> grill that had a large log in it somebody it was else black and it was covered in cobwebs so no one had used this grill for a very long time a really long time and we thought like what a perfect thing there's no fire pits somehow also the english don't like fire pits yeah we, we don't really know like, there's no signs that say like 
anything about not having a fire, but there's also no fire pits on any of the campsites. And when you ask about it, they're, they seem kind of confused and they're like, well, I guess that you can do this. Maybe you can have a fire, I suppose. But we were like, we have to have one because it's, we're going to freeze to death. So we took this weird beat up grill and we drug it all the way over to our campsite and we were very quiet about it. And we set ablaze a couple of these logs. Fire logs. <laughs> we don't know what they're made of. They also, there's not a lot of firewood in shops. But they have these, like, fire logs that burn for two hours. I think it's more environmentally friendly. So we're kind of into it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfamiliar. nice. unfamiliar. We don't know what it's made out of. It could be made out of chemicals. I mean, I mean, no one knows, really. I mean, maybe environmentally friendly chemicals. Or... Or I don't know. But it is it is just like a, a log with no smoke. And it's just a thing. And it was great. And we put one on there. And we were like, finally. So we sat there and we ate our weird tea sludge that we made. We had a bunch of stuff. And then um, looked up at the stars for the first time. I think we had not as much light as we usually see. And definitely in Minneapolis, you can't see any stars. There's tons and tons of street lights. But the moon was really bright. And there was one other light on the other side of the park. But other than that, you could see everything. You could even see the haze of the Milky Way as you looked up at the sky. And Mm -hmm. so you would think that after all of that research for the cosmos that I'd actually be able to remember what kind of stars were where. But somehow we could only figure out where the Big Dipper was. Yeah, we can't even find the Little Dipper. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite sad. We're we're also not sure if the stars are different here. They might be. so far away. It's, um, I mean, it feels like maybe we're on a different piece of the, I mean, we are on a different piece of the earth in a different, like, location at a different time of night, at a different season. I mean, I don't know how anybody keeps it straight, but I'm sure a bunch of people do, but it was really cool, and there were so many. Um, we watched for a while, but um, we didn't see any shooting stars, and Tegan's never seen a shooting star. I've never seen a shooting star. I hope we see a shooting star. I feel like this is, like, the best place, because you can't, like... I don't know. I don't think you could miss it. That's close. That's not a shooting star. Well, it's hard to see anything now with our ashtray fire. So, (laughs) yes, this is a genius idea. We did a good job. But yeah, so the second fire pit that we stole was tonight, (laughs) because we asked about a fire pit before we got to this place, and they told us that there was one. But when we got here, um, we're pretty sure it's like all the way across the thing, and you can't really bring it anywhere. So we found an ashtray by the bathrooms. (laughs) It looks like a tiny tiny fire pit it doesn't really look like an ashtray we're not pos- well i guess there's a cigarette in it <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> there's one cigarette <laughs> so so we secretly dragged that over to our campsite so yeah we're the only people here having a fire and it's weird i don't know why no one it is else weird. likes campfires it is weird we have some neighbors i'm gonna be quiet oh because yeah they're they're in there but i don't think they know we have it oh. but maybe they do now because they're here are they talking about us? No, I hope I, I think that they're talking about us just, discussing what to do about our ashtray fire. Uh, then I will just tell them we thought it was the barbecue. We did think it could be the barbecue. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll put it back. But We will put it back. It's fine. It's fine. No one will know. But it's Except been, for you guys. I'm going to stop looking back there. Please. So, okay. You'll have to tell me out of the corner of your eye. Okay, so before we get in trouble, we'll tell you the rest <laughs> of the story. 
<laughs> so we ended up going down to a place called Lyme Regis, um, which is a really cute coastal town. And we walked down a giant hill to see like a big bay full of boats and just and a, seagulls and seagulls and, and like a beach that stretched for miles and miles. And we could see the cliffs that everybody's talking about for the Jurassic Coast. And so all of the little towns down here have lots of fossil shops where they have ammonites. Is that what they're called? I think they are. And They're all... like swirly shell things. Yes. And lots of them. Like lots and lots. Like what's the name of that Pokemon that looks like it? I'm not sure. There's two prehistoric Pokemon. One looks like a bug thing and the other looks like a little shell guy. It like looks that like that. <laughs> yeah, like that one. Everyone knows what I'm talking about but you, Lindsay. <laughs> I know. I'm so sad. <laughs> That's okay. I'll do my research. And I'll be like, I'll edit that back in and I'll be like, oh yes, that one. <laughs> so... But it was really cool. We walked into a couple shops and we were like, oh, these are crazy big. They're humongous. All the ones that I thought that that we would even encounter over here would be just the little tiny ones that fit in the palm of your hand. But they had ones that were like the size of, I don't know, like a platter. Yeah, or like, a, I don't know, maybe not as big as a car tire, but almost. Almost as big yeah. as a car tire. And they were just really pretty. We talked to a guy for a second that says that... He does a lot of the, the fossil hunting for the shop, and so he'll go down there with his hammer. They had hammers for sale, yeah. as if we we could just get one and just, like, hammer away at stuff. Yeah, you can't actually take the... You can't um, remove them from the cliff face or, like, take a piece off of anything, but if there are pieces that are already loose on the ground, then you're welcome to take them, to hammer into them, to do whatever you want, which is really interesting because I can't think of another like natural place where they're like go ahead and take all of the things yeah actually it was really surprising and um, one thing that i heard about it was that you can take them because otherwise the sea will come and grab them and then turn them into sand yeah. and so that's kind of nice that people get to the chance to sort of like explore and find stuff and then they just sort of say that if you find a lot just leave some for the other people to find and i think that's fair mm -hmm. you know but it was really a cute town. We ended up walking down an alley because we were just looking for a place to eat. And so um, having a, a mostly vegetable um, diet between the both of us has been very interesting, um, being on kind of the tiny towns of the coast. And so we stumbled into a, an alley where we looked over and we saw what was the cutest bakery the most beautiful, adorable, Pinteresty kind of <laughs> bakery ever. It was so cute. They had giant pillars that looked like huge log timbers with these like little tiny brown, old-looking trays. I mean, it was just like a slab of wood, and then on top of it were just piles and piles of croissants and bars and breads and what mm -hmm. do they call the brown one that we got? Do you uh, remember? I keep forgetting what it's called. Um, it has like a granary. bunch. Granary bread? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just got little pieces of stuff in it. Mm -hmm. All sorts of stuff. Barley and whatever else is in there but it's a very moist bread and we got a huge one between the both of us and here I was thinking we were just going to chew on this bread. <laughs> just like gnaw on this bread. So Tiki got a coffee and I got a tea and we sat down and this lady brings out a huge stainless steel bowl full of butter i mean it was like a mixing bowl full of yeah. butter and just then heaped with all of this probably just like grass-fed fresh like farm butter yep um it was beautiful it was just so much butter i've never seen so much butter and also a decent sized bowl of uh homemade peanut butter and um homemade jam there's like strawberry and i guess there was raspberry jam. yeah yeah, yeah. it was so cute it was so cute 
And we sat there and we're like, wow, this is great. And she had a big jug of milk. I put a little bit in my tea, but it was just a massive one, like, Mm -hmm. like unreal. I think the, the lesson we learned from that was definitely that like, you just, you just have to kind of explore and you'll find like these amazing things like in all these nooks and crannies and we found that and and all the other towns that we've been to is uh you know everything on the main streets is it's really lovely and it's great and it's interesting especially being foreigners and all of that um but it's when we turn into like little tiny alleys or kind of like I don't know, like, like ask people for recommendations and stuff like that. That's when we find the really, really amazing places that we can't even believe. It's true. It's true. And everybody's always like, what do you want to see? What are you into? And we're like, I don't know. (laughs) Give us a recommendation. We're not from here. Tell us what to look at. But it was funny. um, Before I tell you the other interesting thing that we found, one of the funniest times we've talked to somebody about what to go and see was we were sitting in the car looking at our guidebook and we're just paging through and really confused. We don't know where we're going and we're... It's hard to tell how far any, away anything is. And, and you know you're just going to be on the road looking at hedges so you... Yep. Everybody drives so fast and we're so slow that you feel a little um, intimidated by turning off and turning back on and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's hard to take a break and just like look at the scenery at any point. Um, it is. Like uh, Lindsay's always driving and I'm always looking at the guidebook or uh, at our phones trying to navigate and it's really like a full time like I don't get to look up from navigating because there's confusing roundabouts and there's weird turnoffs. And, and hedges not like just trying to scrape the car up <laughs> and or people trying to run directly into us and yeah. it's just like it's a lot of work so we were like okay gonna figure it out. And we look up and two massive horses come into the <laughs> parking lot and just stand there for a second. And we're like, do they want to talk to us? Do they, what, what? The, the riders, not the horses. Yeah. There were riders on the horses. <laughs> there were riders on the horses. <laughs> and we're like, what, what's going on? Why are they stopping? And then um, a, a woman got off and an old man got off and he walked around the car slowly and he, he kind of flagged me down. I put the, the window down and he goes... Hey, how, what are you doing? What's going on? Can I help you? Are you okay? And we're like, yeah, we're okay. And he had the most dramatic voice I've ever heard. He, like William Shatner pauses times like a million. He told us a story. He said, you know, you have to go down to this town that's just a little bit down there because the richest woman in all of England. <laughs> I was like, and I couldn't tell when I was supposed to talk, but he, he's like, she lives just down at this thing. She's the richest, almost as rich as the queen. No, or whatever. no, she's more rich than the queen. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, I was so confused by what I was supposed to be listening to or talking because it's funny. You'd think that, um, being from the United States that you'd have no problem at all just understanding um, somebody with a British accent. And and it's not hard to understand their words. Um, you just feel like you're reacting to things the wrong way. Yeah, or... like like their cadence is like a little different. So you're you're interpreting, you're listening, and you're waiting till they're done to see if you're supposed to do something about yeah. it. And then I couldn't tell when he was done, though, because he was still talking after like and I was like oh this is there's more and then but he was quite the character and he was just kind of a a funny man so I was like oh thanks and he told us a couple other things and then before he left he reached his hand all the way in the car and hit me on the head a couple times he was patting her on the head but it It apparently was an aggressive experience it was quite the pat or two I was like wow that was some hefty padding on my head but I was like I've 
haven't had that happen in a really long time. And then he just kind of walked away and we were like, what? But the farm was actually really cute and there were a couple giant geese that were noisy and funny and like... I think the funniest thing about us staying at that farm, um, you know, it, it, was, it was weird because uh, there were really cute parts and there was really scummy parts, like the scary bathroom. It was <laughs> yeah. absolutely terrifying. Um, but... Uh, but the, the, the funniest thing was getting there in the middle of the night and kind of just finding a random spot to camp um, and then and not being able to see anything. Like, it was completely Nothing. black. And then when we woke up in the morning, you know, you stumble out of the tent freezing, and we were right by this fence, and we assumed that past the fence there was just, like, a pasture or something. We looked out, and it was, like, there was, like, this huge ravine below yes. us. Um, that just went down and down in these rolling hills and it was kind of misty. There was probably a stream down there. There were all of these plants and it was absolutely breathtaking. And we had had no idea that the entire time that we were camping there that that's what was like, like literally like four feet from us. <laughs> four feet away. <laughs> and then we were joking because, you know, our first camping experience, we were just able to turn around and eat off the bushes that were over <laughs> there. Like, we are sitting there like grabbing handfuls of blackberries. And we were like, oh, surely we're going to turn around and there's going to be something magical there. And we had no idea. And then there also were some blackberries that didn't eat them this time. <laughs> but I feel like this whole place must be covered in them anyway. Yeah. But it was really beautiful. And we were actually in a place called Devon Place of Outstanding Beauty yeah, or East, something East like that. Devon Area of Outstanding Natural Beauty, Yes, I that's what it is. <laughs> that's what they call their, like, I don't know, equivalent of, like, a state park here is Area of Outstanding Natural Beauty, which, I mean... that's It's pretty uh, incredible. Well... We're not really sure because the entire time that we were in the area of outstanding beauty, we uh, we saw some hedges. Had, saw hedges. <laughs> as we yes, we did. But now we're in. I guess we should tell everyone where we. Oh, are. We're yeah. In, where uh, are we? Um, it's not Devon. It's other D one. It's uh, D- uh, Dorset. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the Dorset area, which is incredibly beautiful. We're actually able to see more of it because um, we're very close to the sea. Yes. Um, so the spot we are now is. Um, very close to um the uh the isle of portland yes um which is kind of like it's actually not an island exactly it's kind of more like a peninsula thing that's connected by like a little like a strip of land um yeah to the mainland and uh but like in between the mainland and that there is this like strip of land i don't know if you would call it a sandbar or exactly what they call it but there's like this long strip um and, like, one side is the sea, and the other side is, uh, like, more of a, I don't know, a weird lagoon, lake lagoon thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're, like, just, I don't know, less than a 20-minute walk um, yeah. from that lagoon part of it. Yeah. So we can't actually see the ocean when we walk from our campsite, but we can see the lagoon and this kind of sandbar thing, and we know that right on the other side of it is this beautiful ocean. It's just, it's really neat. We saw it kind of as we were coming up here, and you can definitely see it on the maps, but um, we were pleasantly surprised. Our campsite's great today. and We pestered this one lady like a million times because we came in and we were like, tell us, tell us where the walking paths are. Tell us where the things are. And then we came back and then we're like, give us some change for the bathroom. And then we were like, give us this kite. We need this kite. So Tegan bought a kite today. Would you like to talk about your kite? You guys, no one ever wants to fly a kite with me. And I was embarrassed to even ask Lindsay because I've been turned down with my kite desires so many times. And so I looked at the kite when we were in the shop the first time and I studied it and I thought about it 
and I put it away. This is seven pounds or something, and I was like, I don't even know how much a pound is, but it seems we're not like sure. too much. And, <laughs> and so we left, and then we were talking a little later, and I kind of mentioned the kite. You're and, like so, and Lindsay's face <laughs> lit up with joy. I was, and like, I was like, this is it. <laughs> this is my chance. Time for kites. <laughs> so we giggling our heads off ran back into the shop and bought this kite this with this lady. woman just staring she's us. like okay gonna have fun now right and we're like yes <laughs> we are gonna have so much fun and so we were joking about how um if you guys have ever seen uh faulty towers the the british uh i don't know if you call it a sitcom tv show yeah um, yeah that we're, we're characters off of that um the, the, the people that you're laughing at for being just like ignorant and bothering the nice <laughs> shop owners by being not british enough <laughs> And we were like, surely it's fine. We won't do anything bad except for steal the ashtray and use it as a as a fire pit. But it was it was great. It, we picked the one that has all sorts of bright colors on it, and it has it's called what's it called stunt kite. How could you forget? I have no idea. There's so many stunts that we could do with that kite. If only we could get it off the ground. If only we could get it off the ground. And we were like, okay, we're gonna go down there. We're gonna find the ocean. We're gonna use a stunt kite. It's yeah, and it was be getting awesome. close to twilight um, or to dusk, and uh, we had not been able to really get down to the ocean yet. We kept like going all these different ways, and uh, just I don't know, things were closed or like uh, I don't know. Um, so we were very excited to finally get to actual water um, and be able to take photos before the sun went down. And so we walked down like through our campsite, and then suddenly you're kind of like in this farmland, yeah, and it's people's property. But there are these little footpaths that, like, are, I guess, just open to the public that you're able to, like, walk, like, right past all of their crops um, and, you know, kind of, like, step over some low fences and there's all these, like, quaint little signposts and everything leading you down to the water. It was really neat. We we passed a guy on, like, a 4 by 4 who I think was like, oh, and we're like, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> but we were getting closer and closer and the sun was going down and, again, we've been in the car and we've been focusing on driving every time the sun has been going down yeah. it's been um except for the very first day when we we got to catch it on the tail end of our hike but we're walking down there and the sky is turning purple and then it's turning pink and then it's turning orange and we got to see like the full gamut the whole entire rainbow of the sky and it's funny because the moon is really bright tonight and so it was visible even when it like even before it went down and we're walking there and everything is starting to turn into a silhouette against the sky and it's just beautiful. You get down there and there's all these little, uh, I don't know, plover, sandpipery type of shorebirds that are all gathered by the water and they're making their teeny tiny little noises and I accidentally scared them away trying to take <laughs> photos and they all flew away in this really cute flock. It was really cute. It was funny because if you were really silent, you could hear all sorts of stuff. And yeah. when we were down there um, a little bit later and, you know, we heard everything from like the beating of wings of a giant bird we couldn't tell if it was one of the swans from like a nearby swannery yeah there's a swannery <laughs> there is a swannery and then um we heard some geese and it was just really serene really beautiful but we were walking around on some what looked like kind of matted grassy sea plants i don't know what, what that was i guess what we figured out is that it's the ground um it, it must be low tide right now um, and so we were walking on the ground that would have been underwater, like, earlier in the day, right? That, like, and it so, makes so it's sense. Really, it's really mucky, but you can walk on it okay? Yeah, and if you looked, if you actually bent down and you looked, the entire ground was covered in tiny shells. 
and they were kind of, uh, you know, discolored in browns and greens and stuff like that. But the entire thing had just like and little, little bits shells. of crabs, tiny bits <laughs> of crabs. And we were walking around and we were kind of taking photos and looking and the sun is going down. And we kind of made one last ditch effort to try and get over to the sandbar because at that point we weren't really sure how far we could get. And we were like, all right, got to use a stunt kite. We're going to go. <laughs> we're just going to go. We took a couple steps and turned a corner and walked past an old man in his welly boots. Did you see Yeah, yeah, <laughs> his, his dog. His dog. They were so happy. And we walked all the way down there and um, suddenly we saw these tiny little half-sized boats. And there was one for Jack and there's one for Fiona. And there's one for like every single tiny cute name. And yeah. I think it was probably a boating school or something. But they all looked old and they're in all these primary colors and just kind of like lined up against this bay. And we caught the tail end of the sunset as we were setting up our stunt kite (laughs) and we're sitting there and we're like this is great we're gonna do it and so it's only the size of maybe I don't know half an arm span yeah it's a tiny little kite it's one arm span one arm span and it's just like sort of the shape of a I don't know what is that a pyramid uh like a boomerang a boomerang yeah and it it's got these two hoops that you hold on to and you're supposed to kind of like pull one to one side to make it yeah, do like, tricks yeah like um pull pull the right cord to make it turn right and pull the left cord to make it turn left and so, so you can really like steer it in detail it's, it's a pro stunt kite it's yeah said. pro stunt kite um we're not used to flying regular kites because again no one will ever fly them with me um, <laughs> you're, like, <"Aw." laughs> you're like i'm so not a pro we... yet but i feel I like a pro. <laughs> yeah. so sad but we were like okay gonna try this pro kite i don't know it'll be fine and we had a couple first attempts okay if you've never flown a kite it's hard, but it's not that hard, but it's hard enough where you're trying to figure out who's going to run and who's going to hold the kite and how are you going to do it without falling in the muck with the crab parts in it. Or like running backwards into the ocean with our hardest <laughs> part. We didn't have, it wasn't like a big field. We didn't have a ton of space. <laughs> we were like, okay, don't go in the ocean. The sun is setting. Don't run into that post. <laughs> don't run in the post. Don't step on the crab piece. And so we're like, okay, we could do it. Cause every time we would round the corner, we'd feel a tiny gust of wind. And we're like, this is it. Now is the time. We're going to do this. This stunt kite is going to fly. And we tried and tried and tried. And it was crashing. And it would crash. And it would crash. And it would crash. And we were getting, like, darker and darker and darker. And there was one time when we held it up. And Tegan was running backwards. And we got it up for just a second. And all of a sudden, we, we heard a hoot of, like, a person that must have been so happy that the kite got up or something like that. I have no idea where that, that voice came from, but I'm almost positive somebody was celebrating. And then it cursed us, and then the thing fell over. So we were like, look, a person. But we tried a couple more times, and it was just a blast. I mean, if you've ever been like out in the middle of nowhere and you've got a stunt kite... We just highly recommend trying to fly a stunt kite by the sea in England. That's all we can really say. You'll have a great time. You will have a great time. And all of you people who don't, who say you don't like flying kites, I think you probably haven't done it enough. Or you don't have a stunt kite. You don't have a stunt kite. I mean, you need to go to pro, really, because you can't just do it with a normal kite. But it was so fun, and we took a couple tries there, and I think (laughs) the last attempt the very last attempt that we did okay and I was like all right I'm gonna try I'm gonna see if this is gonna work and we 
got it up and I was running and running and running. And I was like, keep running. And <laughs> then it started just pinwheeling behind her in the most comical, like it just turned around like 200 times, like in just rapid, like, I don't know, it looked like a fan, like chasing you down the coast. It was hilarious. And I'm running in the mud and the crab pieces are flying and I'm laughing and I'm out of breath and I'm confused because I never get any exercise. And I'm like, the stunt kite is doing stunts. It's doing stunts. I'm it wasn't screaming. really doing stunts. It was basically crashing it was like a long Repeatedly. extended crash for like so we never flew the stunt kite not but we still had we packed it up nicely we it's did covered in muck and crab bits but um we're gonna fly it tomorrow we are gonna, gonna fly it we're gonna be so good at it i mean this is just the practice pros. time it was good and so we came all the way back up here and that's when we stole the ashtray yeah, so that's and, where we are now mm-hmm. by our ashtray fire <laughs> Drinking our astral tea. I don't know if we told them that it's astral projection tea. It's astral projection tea. I mean, the scientific values of it, we have yet to see exactly how much we're going to astral project today. But we bought it from a shop on our trip to Glastonbury, which I don't think we said anything about. Oh, I think we mentioned that we got incense headaches. Did we say that? No. Oh, was that... Did we? I don't know. Did we podcast the first night or the second the first night. Oh, no. We never talked about Glastonbury. Oh, my gosh. Well, here. We'll resume and we'll talk about Glastonbury after we eat some food. <laughs> Story. <laughs> For, like, the oh. best. I hope everyone can relate now. So, I'm not actually sure what day it is today. It might be... Friday. <laughs> the 14th. Okay, Friday the 14th. And we've been in London now for just a couple days. One day or two days? It seems like so long. It's so um, confusing. Hmm. I think it was one and a half days. We got in the afternoon. That's crazy. I feel like we have been here for a while. Uh, we left off last time remembering that we had actually totally forgotten an entire day in a really magical, wonderful place. And let's go way back in time. To whatever day that was. Somewhere between... I think it was a Tuesday. <laughs> okay. A Tuesday. Let's go with a Tuesday. Okay. It was a Tuesday. A magical Tuesday. And we visited the town of Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I really want to say about that was I have never seen so many, like, such a concentration of, like, interesting occult bookshops, like... Aura readings, like soul readings. Every single shop is like something mystical or magic related. Um, Every single shop. Every single one. It was like we we were walking through the streets and the streets smelled like incense. Incense. (laughs) Yeah, and we saw all of these different people that looked like they had come from all over the place. And I remember mentioning all of the the yoga pants that we saw. (laughs) (laughs) So there's plenty of that, but... We we finally went back. We went back on our way out of town and spent a couple hours walking around and looking through all the bookshops. And I think what we discovered was that 
all of the really incredible stuff was down weird alleyways, like inside courtyards, behind things, and through passageways, and stuff. Yeah, there are all these narrow little alleyways that you could go through and find the tiny, tiny little shops, and uh, you'd go through like a random thing that didn't even look like it was a real street, and then suddenly there'd be this adorable courtyard with like a magical tree with like a bunch of um, strange witchy things hanging from it, and a bunch of like bird feeders, and like like three different shops that were like off of the courtyard and all of the shops seemed to be like the most authentic mm-hmm. um we we found a couple places that made their own like um the kind of incense that has like resin pieces and different pieces of plants and all that kind of stuff in it mm-hmm. like little tiny jars of like a i don't even know what you would call it I keep wanting to call it a poultice but that's not what it is but like it's, it's like, like a liquid incense right or like an oil yeah, it was just like a little tiny thing. We had some like like a some time sitting in a shop with a lady that had this beautiful like light pink hair and she just looked like a almost like a mermaid mixed with a fairy. <laughs> and it was just really neat. And so um all of like the the areas back there seemed to be totally like it was no big deal. Like everybody just embedded crystals into the walls and painted murals <laughs> on everything murals and, of like earth mothers um like giant earth mothers laying on like the local landscape and stuff like that it was crazy and we were like what is this crazy place and so um the entire like high street and i finally figured out what a high street is it's like the main street yes. or whatever and it was all just that and the entire place was that and so we spent hours and hours in dusty bookshops looking through all these great ancient books of different Which types. Which books did you buy? You bought... I bought, um, let me look. I bought two books. One book I bought is on Christian mysticism, which I'm sure everybody is like, what? Except for me. Um, and I'm really interested. The book looks like it's from, I don't know. 1800s, right? 1899. Yeah, 1899. And I'm really interested in reading this. It says, Considered in eight lectures delivered before the University of Oxford. So we'll see what's in there. And then my second book that I have, it's a beautiful, um, like a, a book cloth binding with this really weird kind of... It's a marble paper, right? Yeah, like kind of a marbly paper. And this one is called... Um, Western symbology, and just to give you an idea of what's in here, um, there's a beautiful woodcut on the front, and this lady that is just sitting here, she's got, what is that, 20s looking? I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, it looks 1920s, but... And then, I think, oh, on... an older book. Yeah, it says uh, a lot of things like, what is numerology, what are numbers, mystical interpretations, cosmic vibrations, um... The four life vibrations of our true self, personality, soul, destiny, initiation. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, We were in this bookshop, and we were walking down the street right after we had lunch, and we saw from the corner of our eye a bunch of really sad-looking taxidermy. It was amazing taxidermy, (laughs) and I loved it. It was like like you took like a weasel and squeezed it a whole bunch, and then... (laughs) Some of them were weird, but they were really cool. Like there, yeah, there was one really sad one in the shop. Um, it was like a mongoose and a snake fighting, and the snake was all wrapped around the mongoose and everything. Um, but uh, and the snake had all these holes in it, and all the stuffing inside was coming out, and the mongoose 
the entire like actual animal pelt was gone and they only had um like the uh i don't even know what they make it out of um sometimes it would be wood or whatever like the um body shape left like the weird form yeah they just use like a form and they like wrap the pelt around it you know so there was like only that left and no fur whatsoever it was amazing and then so Tegan's like i wonder if they can ship this to me and so it's too bad that what did you find out well they gave me their email address um they're like we're not sure if it's legal and i know that most of that is not legal to ship overseas so (laughs) so sad so sad but some of those did buy encyclopedia of medical astrology and so what's that look like it's a huge huge tome and um i mean think about like old-fashioned encyclopedias right where you flip through it and everything's kind of alphabetical and um every entry kind of leads you like see this other entry um it's really strange because it's all um tying like any sort of like ailment that could happen to your body to like the positions of or, like, to a certain planet or the positions of um like what house like give is us in. an example yeah um here, let's see if this one is good Oh my god. It's so hard to read, too, because um, they use all the symbols instead of, like, writing it out because just to, like, fit as many things in this giant book as they possibly could. So they'll use all the symbols for suns and planets and, like, weird abbreviations. Uh, let me find the birds one that I really liked. And so we- I tried to look up birds, and it said, see air. Or like sea air, sea birds of the air, or something like that. So I know I have to go to air. It sort of reminds me, kind of like a choose your own adventure, where you're sitting there and it te- it sends you to a different part of the entire book, and everything is almost like a stream of consciousness. Like if you think of air, then you think of birds. You also think of breath. You also think of like you know um, yeah. odors, and you also think of this and that, and it's got all these related. And, and the, I mean, the, the general topic is mostly medical stuff. Um, like the on the flap, it says general medicine, planetary influences for every condition, natural or pathological, alphabetical listings for each sign, luminary and planet, indicating diseases of Aries, diseases of Mars, things like that. And we'll even tell you things about like colors and... Okay, but this birds of the air one, if you just go to air and then you look under air, you can find birds of the air in bold and it says, the body devoured by beasts and birds after death, lack of possible burial... This is especially so if the malefics at B are in signs assigned to beasts and birds, and also when the benefics offer no assistance to the anaric places or to the fourth house, which house rules the end of life. And then a bunch of symbols for (laughs) moons and uh, Aquarius and Sagittarius. Yeah, so very strange. And I just love, I bought it because I love some of the phrasing of things like the body devoured by beasts after death. Yeah, it's just it's like right incredible. under birds. It's really, it's but amazing. really hard to understand, so it's going to take a while of studying it to be able to use it for anything. The cover is just awesome. There's mm-hmm. like a dust jacket that's got all these really old, like woodcut looking um, illustrations on it and all of these crazy, uh, like super detailed symbolic things there's like a a half of a person's face and an egyptian like eyeball and like all sorts of interesting things but it looks like it's you know what is it like three inches thick like a big huge phone book of a thing yeah i don't know and it's interesting that like it's really being treated kind of like a like an actual legit medical science which is not the way that i usually think about something like astrology 
So, so yeah, but it's really, it's really cool. We're gonna have a fun time carrying all of our books back. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, but it was a such a cool place. It was really neat to be in the presence of all that stuff in one go. I mean, mm-hmm. usually you would find like one esoteric book, an entire bookshop, yeah. and you would be like, wow, look at this special treasure. But then every time we turned around, there was another book on another thing mm-hmm. that is just super interesting, and it was all really old stuff. Like it had so been. Old. Like there uh, for a I know you years. found a lot of books um, that you already had, but these were like the original first editions of them, which is always a super cool thing to find. It was really cool, and I was like, oh, I don't want to spend all my money here, but <laughs> I I ended up like picking a couple favorites, and I headed out, and we um went to the uh, ruins of Glastonbury Abbey. And that was just right behind the high street. And so it's funny because you couldn't really see it until you just went through a tiny gate and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden it opened up into this beautiful field with this abbey that had been destroyed back in the 1500s. So I don't know a ton about it, but I I was looking it up a little bit ago. And back when um, King Henry VIII decided that he was going to, I think it was called the dissolution of the monasteries. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, I'm 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 in charge of how we're going to perceive this thing. All the monasteries have to stop working or else. And so um, the abbot that was in charge of that abbey was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do this. You can't make me. And he's like, yes, I can. And he came, destroyed the abbey, and then and then we had mentioned it before, like up on Glastonbury Tor, which is that big hill, mm-hmm. um, he was hung and drawn and quartered, which is yeah. so gross. So that's also too bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, brutal times, right? So, but it was interesting standing there because there were all of these archways. There was like a like a stairway down into the basement of where they had the crypt, and they had. Um, all these carvings on the outside of the doorway that had all of like the stories uh, yeah. in different sections. You kind of look up and see the angels and different people and and just like remnants of what was. It's just incredible seeing stuff that old, you know. So we spent a little bit of time running around there and the sun was going down and we realized we had a long drive to go and that's when we ended up at the super dark place. Yeah, yeah. where we... Uh left off last time talking about our crazy kite adventures with our stunt kite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, since then, um, we had just like another day or so in the Southern coast and we were like, all right, time to do all of the nature stuff. And we're going to go out there and we're going to find something cool. And we bought a guidebook that kind of gave us some clues as to where things might be. Yeah, it's the sort of guidebook that has all these beautiful pictures of these gorgeous natural places and people swimming in like these like immaculate uh, like blue and green kind of pools of water that are all surrounded by plants and things like that. And so, you know, you, you would turn a page and be like, I want to go there. I want to go there. Can we get to this thing? Yeah. And um, it, so there's a lot like... of that and then finding out which of those places was along the way. It was all very secret places right like the, the whole point of the book was to find like secret places to swim or hike or whatever where it'd just be maybe you and nobody else mm-hmm. and and um has been an amazing navigator it is really difficult to drive over here <laughs> it's been really interesting but she's she had her like all the bookmarks of all the places along the way and one of the first ones that we went to was kind of like a um down a couple tiny roads, and we were looking for a bungalow. 
like yeah the the guidebook is really funny because um it doesn't it doesn't give you maps or anything like that they'll give you like a really broad general overview map um but then they'll have to describe to you like all right here's this normal like tourist place and then go down the road from that and then you know turn at the this thing uh and so our instructions for finding this it was supposed to be a secret swimming hole um and the instructions for it were to go down this road until the turn and then you'll see uh, a, a double uh, wooden gate. Oh, yeah. And then just past the wooden gate, there's a green bungalow. And we, and we were like, like what, if, what if someone painted it? What if it's a different color? And we asked some people who were passing by on the road, and they were like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and was, and so we, we were literally about to turn around. Yeah. When, and like, we, because it, it told us to go like a mile down. We were like, this was way more than a mile, and we it must not be here. We took a wrong turn. And then suddenly we saw it, and we started shouting, the bungalow! The, the bungalow! bungalow! There, there it is! is. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because we, we were, every single person names their house here. Yeah. Like, their properties are named things best. like Silver Mist or like, or like, I don't know, Fancy Lane or something like that. <laughs> like, everything has, like, an adorable name instead of a house number. And so we drove up, and sure enough, there was a sign. It was really old, and it was a greenhouse. It was just crumbling apart, just peeled paint all over it. And yeah. we were like, surely nobody lives here. It's totally fine. And so we were like, we're going to pull over, put on our swimming suits, we're going to go swimming. And as we pull over, like, a man comes out and starts smoking a cigarette. And we were like, oh! what a person like how's this possible lives in this weird tiny green bungalow and then we're like okay not gonna change here so then we drove off a little bit and parked in in a different place and started our you know change into our swimming suits and we're like okay gonna find the secret lagoon or gonna go find this thing i don't want what was it called secret pool or something like that or like Mm. green pool i don't know it was near blue pool which is the official tourist place and then there was a green pool which we didn't find and then this one I don't know if that had a name. Okay. It was a secret swimming hole. It was a secret swimming hole, and we were like, all right. So we set off down this path. We climbed over a fence, and we went down this, like, kind of uh, mossy pathway. It was very wooded. It was covered, um, like, lined on all sides with uh, rhododendron bushes. Or was it, yeah, rhododendron? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Tegan was saying, like, oh, yeah, if this was a little bit earlier in the year, it would just be all all flowers it should just be all flowers and there's vines all over everything we just kept going and going um and finally we turn and we see it at the very end of this long path um and it's this beautiful idyllic um pond that has lily pads in it and it has like a tiny bridge and there's like um there were ducks yeah and just like lined with trees and it was totally beautiful and the sun was hitting it and we were like, oh, this is it. This is great. And then we look down and we see a sign that says, no entrance, rifle shooting in progress. <laughs> we were like, uh, what? And then we looked around again and we were like, what? No trespassing. And we we're like, oh. So you, it's like one of those moments where you're like, rifle shooting in progress. Do they mean always shooting <laughs> do they mean this is treacherous landscape and we're like looking around and we can't see anybody and it's like i don't know if if you've ever been in that situation where you're like no one would really know if i was here but maybe people are hunting right now and i mm-hmm. am gonna get shot so we stood there for a while and we kind of tiptoed around and we were like oh should we chance it i don't know um, and eventually decided not to get shot. So then instead, <laughs> what we did was we climbed around in the forest for a second and 
saw a random horse, a bunch of like, a bunch of mushrooms, a bunch of like crazy lichen and things like that, and and that was great too. And so we never went swimming. We found the pool. We were so close. We were so excited, and then. At the last second, we decided not to get shot. So then, yeah, I think what we decided was um, that was the only thing that would have made us turn away is something about possibly being shot. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we, like, we didn't care if it was private property or whatever. But um, we were like, nobody we was there. Nobody would have known except for who knows what was going on there. Yeah. But we ended up going back, and we were like, no problem, it's fine. We drove all the way over to um, this area right on the. Southwest of Pool. Yeah. yeah. And it was a uh, um, Corf Castle is this great, like, amazing ruin on top of a giant hill, like, uh, like on the Jurassic Coast still. And again, like, southwest of Pool, um, the city. And it's, uh, as you drive up, you can just see it. And it's just towers and just these old crumbling ruins and all of these, like, um, circular pieces of of this castle yeah i think it was an older castle than any of the other places that we'd visited um a lot of the other places that we went were like religious sites that had been um preserved pretty well or whatever um and this was like an actual medieval castle um from like like way way like what what do you what do you 1100 call it? something like that something yeah something like that extremely and old it was thick blocks like big thick kind of chunky blocks and we took a um we got out of our car, took a big walk around it, and so they kind of ask you to do this wildlife walk or this wilderness walk. You're walking around the castle and staring up at it thinking like, wow, this would be really difficult for anybody to climb all the way up there. Like, how could people possibly bring all this stone up here to make this thing? Mm -hmm. And you just think about how old it is and how many people had to sit there and do it. And they had a couple pieces of information about it said it would take nine or ten years to build something like this. Mm -hmm. And during that whole time, there were people that would live out in the courtyard to help um, provide supplies or to work on the castle or to bake things or to Mm -hmm. sell stuff from the surrounding fields. And it was interesting because the courtyard wasn't very big. And you could just, like, imagine all those people smashed in there, like a Mm -hmm. little, um, I don't know, like a farmer's market or something. Yeah, a tiny little market, yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting learning um, that kind of the, the, the way that towns popped up by all the castles was just that there was a giant construction crew that had to live on site for years. And so then, you know, more people would come, bakers or you know, I don't know, shoemakers, whatever, yeah. um, to come and uh, make things for all those construction workers, and then eventually a whole town develops at just the foot of the castle. It's crazy, and the castle was really interesting. You could see where all of the wooden beams had once gone into the walls. It was maybe like four stories tall, mm-hmm. just really tall archways, and different pieces looked like it had almost like a chevron-like building pattern to it, just the stones yeah, were laid. Yeah, I guess um, the different royalty that had lived there throughout the years, um, some of them would uh, add on parts of it and other people would neglect parts of it. Uh, it actually had an extremely grisly history of just people being horrible to each other, you know, family members imprisoning and sentencing each other to death, um, and like, uh, you know, all the dungeons where they would um, throw people down there for just, just silly things like stealing a rabbit that belonged yeah, to the, the king king's or rabbit. It's probably just they hunted in his woods or whatever. Um, just really terrible stuff. It was. It's weird to think that, you know, okay, uh, 1100, like, that seems really long ago, but it's also kind of not. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty recent history in the it, grand 
scheme of things. It is, and it was just really kind of scary. You're sitting there thinking about it. You're looking, you know, you're looking at these like tiny slits of windows, thinking like, oh, that'd be terrible to be in here forever. Mm-hmm. Like you could barely see anything. You certainly couldn't fit out of there. And the walls are at least like a foot and a half thick. Yeah, so there's no thick. way you're getting out. And so there was one piece of it that we sat and we we tried to figure out exactly where it was for a second, but there was a plaque that talked about how they had a trap door they would just throw people in, and it was called, like, the Forgotten Pit or something like that, some mm-hmm. some French word for something. Yeah, yeah. And it was this place where they're like, you're a prisoner, you go in this hole now, and they would toss you in there and forget about you. And so you and everybody else who's ever gone down in the pit just, just stay down there, yeah. never come back out. And so... Um, it's weird when you're at a place, you, if you've never seen something like that, or, you know, you read stories and stuff, and I mean, all the stuff we were talking about, how all of, like, the role-playing games and, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, and you think about all these, like, actual dungeons and actual mm-hmm. things, and you're like, ew, that's actually kind of yeah. gross. I mean, it's real stuff that happened to real people who aren't that different from us. Oh, it's so, horrible. so terrible. But it was definitely a place where you felt uh, kind of in awe of how massive some of this stuff really was or how brutal or how like I don't know how strange life must have been yeah you get a real feeling for um how it wasn't necessarily like even these like evil evil people um as much as it was like it was them and the wilderness and this was this fortress that they managed to build to protect themselves and it was kind of just that that's what it was all about um and I don't know, it gives you a different perspective on why things were so brutal back then. It really was just kind of like the way that I think that people maybe react to um, just life being so hard. Yeah, it must have been really terrible, but it was uh, definitely an interesting place to visit. It was on a really beautiful part of the country. And so we left there and decided to take one more detour to a really beautiful place and Tegan had something on her map that she's like okay we gotta go here we have to get out stunt kite again it's really (laughs) important and we're like okay we're gonna do it we're finally gonna get this thing in the air yeah we really hadn't gone to any like cliffs or like uh really deserted seaside places so that was kind of like our last thing before um we had to kind of head back to London and the city and we wanted to see some really beautiful seaside cliffs so um we drove to this one tiny town. I don't even know if I know the name of it. I don't remember, yeah. actually. Um, but it was just, it was, again, like, right on the south coast. It was before Luz and before Brighton. Um, but we had heard that there was, like, an area right along the sea that, if you were lucky, you might be able to swim in it while the low tide was around. And there were also supposed to be caves that you could explore and everything. So we're like, okay, and we drove to the end of this little lane and again we like asked a local who is passing and we're like uh can we drive down this road is there like a a thing down here and she just seemed really confused because uh like didn't even know that anything was down there which is Um. crazy because it was just like you like drove down this tiny little pathway and all of a sudden opened up into this massive field Mm -hmm. yeah and then you kind of like walked across someone's property and i think we talked a little bit about this before that like there's all these footpaths through people's farmland that just like it's okay for just like random people to just like walk down them to get to other things like the sea yeah Um, so that's what we did is like we walked through like basically someone's like driveway like yeah. the garage, um, and then we were like in their fields, basically. And on our way, um, Lindsay heard this this buying. This, it was well, like, it sounded like an old man screaming, but yeah, it sounded like an old man screaming. And we were like, "What is that?" And we were looking around and looking around. So to paint this picture for you, it was all around us. Always are hedges, yeah, just everywhere. And so to our left was a big 
like blackberry bramble and it's like a stone wall with like brambles all around it yeah and we could see that there were farmland or something beyond it and so we were listening to this old man voice screaming and we're like what is happening and we're walking and walking and it's louder and louder and so we were like okay we're gonna go check it out and see what this is and see what's happening and we peeked over the edge and tried to not get stuck in all of like the blackberries and we couldn't see anything and there had been a sign somewhere just before we like entered this person's like weird property and it said like uh like keep your distance from the animals and had little pictures of like a sheep and a horse and a cow and we're like (laughs) surely we'll keep our distance it's fine it's fine but this old man voice kept calling out and we're like something's wrong so we hopped up on the top of the stone wall and peeked over and still couldn't see anything but it was really loud at this point and I was like there's got to be somebody stuck in a bush because all around us were just like six seven feet wide bramble bushes Mm -hmm. just pointy with all of these different like um, thorns all over it and everything and and you know how blackberries have these giant tendrils that shoot out and on every single one is a million pokes you Mm -hmm. know and so hopped over off onto the other side of the wall and I was like oh man I'm gonna get it some like giant sheep or something is gonna come out and squash me and I turned around and the both of us saw a sheep stuck in the blackberry bush with the thorn like the vines kind of tangled around its fur and one across its face and it was just yelling it was just standing there helpless and looking at us and like it had just been yelling asking for help and just hoping that someone would come find it all the other sheep were like way further down the field like they probably knew it was there but you know what are they gonna do their sheep it was terrible it looked like velcro you know it's just a sheep stuck in a thing and we're like oh man you're not gonna leave the sheep here and so we like gingerly tried to pull some of the the like the vines off but it was so pointy i mean those things are just coated in thorns and so um we were being really careful because we didn't want to scare it so much that no. it like runs into the bramble and gets more stuck um so Lindsay was like very uh gently um kind of like not going too close and like talking to it like softly and everything and reassuring it trying to get it to you know slowly walk towards her in hopes that it could just like pull itself out of the bramble and it it got a little bit close and one of the one of the things came off of the sheep's head and then it was just stuck on its back and I walked in front of it because I was like okay I'm just gonna show you that I'm here and um eventually it just was like I gotta get out of here and the sheep just jumped and ripped itself off the rest of the the brambles and freed itself just like in one jump and Tegan and I were like oh (laughs) we're like oh okay you're safe but you're safe and then it kind of trotted off and then stopped and then turned around and gave us the most knowing look that we've ever seen like this wistful like just thank you look and then it turned back around and it just hopped off in the most (laughs) jolly way that a sheep could ever hop it was adorable its friends down the field and it was just fine and we felt great and then we were like okay time to get out of this bush (laughs) because we were stuck in the bush now and so we climbed back over and Tegan got a leg full of uh brambles yeah like the next morning or whatever i was like pulling these like thorns out of my leg i was like oops (laughs) yeah so we walked down and we finally like walked down this huge hill walked the rest of the field and um all these crows are everywhere and we're walking down and we can finally see the ocean 
and in front of us it just opens up into a massive uh, seaside cliff with all of these rock faces and just like tiers of rocks kind of going all the way down to a beach where we could see a kind of a plateaued area with a big sort of um, rectangular hole in it where the it's sea like was a little calm. Pool. Yeah. Um, and right before we got to the cliffs, there was this sign, because uh, it was all kind of fenced off, and uh, there was, but there was an area where you could uh, climb over the fence, and there was a sign there that said, uh, like, we strongly recommend <laughs> that you do not go anywhere near the cliffs. It's very dangerous, like, um, just like, you know, it's a very, very serious sign about how, like, all the rock pieces crumble off all the time. Um, and you could tell that it wasn't just, like, someone being overly cautious because you looked around and you could, like, literally see all of these shards of rocks, little piles of rocks from where stuff had, like, uh, crumbled off of the cliff faces. Um, so it was very kind of scary, um, not being sure, like, what, like, where was okay to step. Um, you could tell that a lot of people went out there all the time, though, um, and that you just shouldn't go, like, near where a rock can fall on you. I think we were a little bit reassured because on our way out there we had passed a kayaking team like 45 children small children <laughs> all wearing life vests and who had like gone on the i mean because it was it was not an easy uh trek no from this like sheep blackberry area to this cliff um so we were really impressed like these little kids could like do that and like um they probably climbed down the rocks probably to the sea to get there yeah so we were like well if they can do it <laughs> we'll be fine yeah we'll be fine <laughs> and then we so we stayed away from the rock edge because we we're like this is not a good place to die so, but we were like but this is such a beautiful place to like sit and sketch or it look around absolutely and gorgeous it was great and like Tegan went exploring for a second and I sat down and I made a drawing and it was just neat because you could see the the waves of the ocean crash up against the rocks and these like amazing like like tessellation kind of like patterns or you know just like fractal swirls that um they were just echoes of each other the entire way through and so I just sat and kind of like got to be for a second and then um it's cool to look straight down at the ocean and all the waves and everything breaking um and you could see that like there were all of these caves that um were kind of like uh dug into the cliff faces by the waves um and you could imagine that, like, if you did have a kayak or something like that, you could really easily, like, go into all of those caves, just, like, row up into them and, you know, find things that way and all of that. Um, I spent a little while looking at all of the cliff edges and trying to see, like, what the safest way down there would be if you wanted to go and climb down. And you would see all of these, um, the, the rings from, like, rock climbing stuck into the edges where uh, you could tell that that's, like, the route that people would take all the time to just, like, climb down to that little area. Seems extreme. tide, I guess. Yeah, all the children doing that all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, hmm, this looks intense. But we never made it quite down to the ocean, so we just kind of looked at it from above. But it was beautiful, and it was just really great, and the sun started to go down, and... It was neat because on the edge of the cliff face, we got some pretty good wind. And we had trekked all the way over here with Stunt Kite, <laughs> like, hoping to maybe make it work. Um, but uh, we set it up, got ready, and attempted with the last remaining pieces of energy that we had that day to get that thing up in the air. And so we were a little wary of running off the edge of the cliff and somehow got it 
just up in the air for like a second, but not really. We we're never. Like, we kept being like, just throw it off the cliff. It'll, <laughs> it'll blow. It'll be in the wind. Uh, yeah, we never really got the kite to work. That's okay. Uh, it, it was, was probably the check. worst ever place that you could fly a kite is on the very edge of like this crumbly, dangerous cliff. Yeah. So we were like, oh, but if it would have worked, it would have been amazing. So yeah. that's it's a thought that counts, kind of. But <laughs> we ended up. Yeah, poor stunt kite. That's okay. It had a good go. And so we we ended up um, going back and heading towards our very last campsite. Um, we spent the evening driving in the dark, uh, finally feeling somewhat confident about being out there and mm-hmm. made it to our last campsite where we had this really long, funny conversation about how much um, English people watch American TV with the guy that owned it and he just was so eager to tell us about how much he loved pringles and how much <laughs> how much he just and, uh, enjoyed and how how everyone uh, takes empty suitcases to america to buy levi's and nikes except he called them nikes yep he was into it and then we ended up kind of having this like great conversation but it was terribly cold and we spent the last night there just sort of like reflecting and soaking it in and realizing we had to wake up in the morning so um we'll leave you there we have to head to our tarot conference um in a second but a really nice end to a a great time in the country that was an amazing adventure um and next time we'll tell you all about london Thanks so much for listening to this adventure that we've been on. And we've got a second one coming next week where we talk about the mysteries of London. So until then, uh, a couple last things that we want you to know. We've got a bunch of upcoming events besides the stuff that we told you in the beginning of the podcast. You can always find them on our events page on our website, likegrayartlab.com, or on our Facebook page. And Chris will rattle off all the things that you can follow us on. But... Um, things to keep in mind that are coming up is we have a bunch of tarot workshops the rest of the fall and the winter uh, going through the suit of swords, the suit of cups, and the suit of wands individually. So that's been a lot of fun uh, going through the last ones. We had a Major Arcana one and a Pentacles one just recently. And then we also have very soon, in just a couple weeks, get ready for the Make My Holiday Art Swap. So we've been doing that for four years yeah yep it's awesome so you get paired with another artist that would like to make something really fun for you Uh, so you'll be making something for your partner shipping off in time for the new year that's awesome and so we have a bunch of game nights chris probably has some ideas about those as well you can find all those on the events page and then yeah just lots of crazy stuff coming up so where can people find all this information they can go to like grayartlab.com they can find us on the blog, lightgrayartlab.com slash blog. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can follow us on Instagram. We are also at lightgrayartlab. You can find us on Facebook. Like us there and you'll stay up to date with events, workshops, all those things that are coming up. You can also follow us on Tumblr and see some behind the scenes things that we repost from artists and all sorts of things there. That is lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly from Stitcher Radio. Thanks again, you guys, for listening today, and we'll talk with you soon. Um, prints and originals about their dreams so they're sort of unveiling their subconscious and letting us sort of peek at some of the imagery and metaphors and um, 
shapes and dreams and ghosts and things that pop up in um, their dreams that they have. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Some dreams with some dreams in it. Okay. Yes, okay, hang on.